0: What's up fam and welcome to the Get Strong Lose Weight podcast where we help you get strong and lose weight because we believe when you feel strong, capable and confident you live a better life. I am Coach Jay. I am here with Coach Katie. Hi. Coach Katie, this is her what official first week here at Hale. And I thought we'd take a little bit of time to get to know her, get to know her story, because you have some like really interesting bits. (laughs) And every time I talk to you, there's something new that comes out. But we're excited to welcome her on board. And I thought we'd get to know her a little bit. Awesome. First thing I want to start with is you said you love horse racing. What's that about? It's
1: <laughs> just a hobby of mine that I've picked up on over the years. My family, so both of my parents are from northern Kentucky. Yeah. And when I was a kid, we grew up going to Keeneland, which is a racetrack in Kentucky. Yep. And I didn't think anything of it. We would always go and the weather would be cold and we would eat. Burgoose stew was this thing that they served there and we would watch the horses and go visit them in the paddock and we would bet on the ones with the best names and it was always just a fun thing to do like I always look forward to those weekends and then as I grew up I eventually moved to Baltimore and horse racing is huge in Maryland there's a lot of folks who have farms out there train racehorses out there And then, of course, Baltimore's famous for a race called the Preakness, which is the second race in the Triple Crown series, which a lot of people are familiar with, the Kentucky Derby. Anyway, so my friends and I would always go to the Preakness. And then it wasn't really until more recently that I got into actually playing the races. And the reason I love it is because... There's so many different angles that you can approach betting on a race and based on jockeys or following a horse's history and understanding the way that a horse likes to run. Maybe it's a speed horse or maybe oh it's man, a man, You're like horse. really
0: into this. Like it's, it's <laughs> yeah. really there's
1: so many facets to it. And I think for myself, I have an analytical mind and like a puzzle mm-hmm. solving mind. Yeah, and to me every race is a puzzle. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I love it. Uh,
0: I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. So I do have a funny, like just a quick horse racing story. So we actually went to Golden Gate Fields is right next to us for the first time five, six months ago. Had never been before. And they had redesigned it or whatever. So I took the kids out there and it's like a fun thing to do with the kids. But we got out there and. It was a slow day or whatever. There was just like the gamblers there. And so we just sat off to the side. We're like, all right, we'll put a couple bucks on whatever horses. (laughs) And we had none of the strategy that you're talking about. We just, I just said, hey, Tiger, what number do you want to pick? And we did that for the first one. And I think we, they won second or something. So we won three bucks. (laughs) It was like, awesome. All right. So then we did one more and I said, hey, just pick the number that you want to pick. My son picked number seven. Whatever. So yeah. we go and do the thing and and we're watching and he's, oh, number seven. We're like super cheering, whatever. It's like, hey, number seven. Oh, awesome. Let's go cash in. We'll win okay. another five bucks. I think we bet five bucks on this one. So we go and give him our ticket and they give us $375. <laughs> and it was just like, it was like a 75 to one long shot. Oh my God. <laughs> and that was like his first ever bet. And I was like, oh man, this gosh. is not what I want to be teaching my oh kids.
1: My <laughs> he's coming with me next time. That's yeah. what you call a clairvoyant.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So now he doesn't know anything about money, but I was like, dude, you won like $370. And he's yes. I have $370. Oh, <laughs> That's great. So anyways. So, yeah. yeah. I, we used to... We used to go to the dog races and stuff when oh, we yeah. were in when we were in London. It's like a it's like a fun thing to do. Yeah, it
1: is. A, it's a fun
0: thing. Anyways, it has nothing to do with coaching, but I do like the analytical mind. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how you got here. Tell me about your athletic background, etc.
1: Yeah. So I grew up as a gymnast. I started gymnastics when I was nine. I got super into it after watching the 1996 Olympic games in Atlanta. Yeah. And that was my birthday present one year was gymnastics. And so huh. I I did gymnastics for seven or eight years competitively. Yeah. Really loved it, but eventually was ready to move on and have a normal high school life that involves some social things. And then in college.
0: Hold on. For, oh, yeah. for those people that don't know, like There's gymnastics, which is go and do like somersaults and stuff like that. And then there's like competitive gymnastics. You started at what age?
1: I started at age nine.
0: Nine. (laughs) And then you stopped at what age? 17. So like how much time were you actually spending in the gym on a regular basis?
1: Yeah. So I would spend most days after a few years when I was on a competitive team, I was spending four to five hours in the gym every night. Wow. And then in the summertime when... The gymnasts weren't in school. We would treat it like a summer camp. So we were there basically seven hours a day, five days a week, training each event every day. So
0: That is crazy. How do you not get exhausted doing (laughs) that?
1: (laughs) You eat a lot of food. I remember (laughs) breaking my family's record for the most number of fish sticks eaten in one sitting (laughs) at 19. So yeah, you eat a lot of food and you sleep really well. I don't remember being super exhausted. Yeah. I remember being sore all the time, which yeah, yeah. not much has changed.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're yeah. like stretching half the time. Like you're always looking for some extra like I like what is a typical day for a competitive gymnast look yeah. like
1: when you're there four or five hours a day, you're devoting at least an hour to the warm-up. Mm. And some skill stuff before you even go to any event. Yeah. And then almost the last hour to 45 minutes was conditioning. Yeah. So there's two hours right there where you're warming up, you're working on flexibility, you're building strength. Right. And then the remainder of the time, you're moving event. What was event. conditioning? Gosh, we would do a ton of body weight stuff. Oh, so push ups. I remember sitting on, like having my torso off of the end of the vault or off the end of a table while somebody else sat on my legs and we do hip extensions. Oh my God. Yeah. There's tons (laughs) of them. Yeah. Handstands. We actually even had a cable machine in our gym, so yeah. we would do like shoulder raises, where we would raise our arms on cable machines or pull downs, lat pull downs, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. Tons of sit ups. Yeah, tons of stuff for the core. Yeah. Push ups.
0: So yeah. all the stuff we do now is like easy.
1: The body weight stuff feels very familiar. Is it easy? No. Was yeah. it ever easy? No.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> that's the fun. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's we were talking about it the other day. Just competitive gymnastics if you could take that four hours and cut it down to an hour and you yeah. did that on a regular basis amazing for yeah. like your development and flexibility and totally. stuff like that yeah. all of the risking your life and all that other yeah. stuff that's yeah. that's for other people that's, not, <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: definitely where it got scary for me yeah
0: yeah, yeah. so you stopped doing that <laughs> and then what
1: yeah, and then athletically, I went on to college, and for me, that was a chance to discover a new community and a new form of activity, mm. and so I actually found a community in Ultimate Frisbee. Nice. So I joined my college's Ultimate Frisbee team, and we were a small school, small team, but we had a lot of fun, and it was one of the first times I remember playing a sport where you could be as competitive as you wanted to be, but really... The reason everyone did it was for the fun of it yeah, and for the movement and perhaps for the parties afterwards, right? Like we had a lot of fun and it was just fun to be exposed to a different way of working out and a different kind of activity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That was college for me. And then I, I was always... I always loved being active, and so when I was in college, I pursued biology and ecology and forestry, basically with the goal of doing active outdoor work for a living. Mm. It was basically as close as I could get to being a professional athlete without being a professional athlete, was doing tree work. So after college, my job was athletic, so I didn't do a whole lot.
0: So you did, okay, so so you got into, like, tree work, Mm -hmm. what... Like, how does that even occur to you <laughs> as a thing to do?
1: <laughs> it's funny how one thing leads to another. I yeah. got really lucky in the year after I graduated was actually it was 2000. I graduated in 2010, shortly after kind of like the re- recession. Obama was the president and he started something called the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act. And as part of that, he started a Chesapeake Conservation Corps, which is AmeriCorps yeah. in the Bay Area. And so I was the very first class of Conservation Corps volunteers, we were called. Basically, we worked for a stipend. Yeah. And I got placed with Baltimore County Department of Forestry. Right. So it wasn't my, I just wanted to do environmental work. I got placed with them. And I, before I knew it, I started learning all about trees and the forest of the Mid-Atlantic and right. how to plant them and how to grow them. And yeah. I fell in love with it. And then when I went to get a master's degree, that's what I chose, forestry, just a hmm. learn more. More about it. So yeah. that's how it all started.
0: Yeah, there's like a general theme of, oh, this looks interesting. I'm going to pursue <laughs> it and like <laughs> for this. better
1: or for worse.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love yes. that. I love that. And that's yes. ultimately like how you get all these different experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you ended up like climbing trees for a living.
1: Yep, climbing yeah. trees for a living. Yeah. Yep. I, I worked for a long time actually planting trees first. So I planted, gosh, I think I did the math one time and it was Over the course of seven or eight years or so, it was like 5,000 trees or something. So it was a lot of planting. Yeah. And I even worked with uh, organizations and nonprofit, and we taught folks who were just out of prison to plant trees. So it was like a green jobs program. Yeah. Yeah. Which was cool. And it scratched for me. It scratched that like mentoring, coaching itch that I've always had. Yeah. Where here I was getting to work with a crew of people who was truly invested in transforming their lives. Yeah. And the role that I was given was to focus on the professional part of it. So how can they hold down a job in an industry that's growing, the green industry?
0: So you have this like mentoring, coaching itch. Where did that come from?
1: It's a good question, but almost every... Even when I was in college playing Ultimate, I became the captain of the team and I started coaching another college team. Mm. And interestingly... I'm, I'm actually an introvert, which some people don't realize when they like yeah. can sometimes come off as being extroverted, but inside I'm an introvert. So yeah, I get
0: that. Yeah. yeah so like none yeah. of these
1: roles that I ever put my hand up and say, hey, I want to be coach or I want to be captain. What happened was people on the team would basically nominate me for this role. Hey, I think you should be the coach. I think you should be the captain of this team. Yeah. Yeah. And that was scary for me. Yeah, I remember my first time captaining and coaching was, I was super nervous.
0: Yeah. But yeah.
1: the fact that folks had that faith in me made me feel like okay i have something to contribute
0: yeah yeah so So you're just always looking for ways to help and people recognize that and they're like yeah you'd be great at this oh
1: i have yeah i think like fundamentally i'm just so fascinated in what people can achieve and oftentimes people don't really believe that they can achieve what they truly can. And so mm. being able to like hold that vision for somebody has always been yeah, just like a fun and special thing for me.
0: Mm. That's amazing. Wow. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> okay. So then you're doing this sort of tree thing. How'd you find your way into a CrossFit gym? Yeah, totally. <laughs> so
1: I was at the time trying to save money, living on Baltimore Southwest side in a little row home with about four other women. And we were in an industrial part of town. There happened to be a CrossFit Gym there's
0: yeah. tends to happen. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I would go by it every day. And at the time I was still playing Ultimate Frisbee on a club level, out of college and captaining a team. And in the wintertime, all I would do was run to try to stay in shape. Yeah. And at one point I thought, well maybe there's more I can be doing rather than just running. And I had crossed this CrossFit Gym and decided to drop in. And that's how it all got started. As soon as I dropped in, I remember my first workout. It was prowler pushes, burpees, and pull-ups. Yeah, yeah. And it was devastating. And as (laughs) soon as I finished it, I was like, this is everything. (laughs) (laughs) i got to do this. I have to do this. Yeah. But it scratched that itch for gymnastics. Nothing else I had done up until that point had really used my full body like gymnastics had. Yeah. And so as soon as I did, I was like, I was hooked. It felt like adult gymnastics.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's like this competitive piece that you just weren't really addressing. Definitely. And I guess you have that with ultimate frisbee but it's yeah, just, yeah it's a little different yeah. yeah there's not as much suffering yeah <laughs> so how did you become a coach yeah what was that process
1: yeah I started so I started classes in 2012 yeah. and moved to the gym where I started coaching in 2015. And it happened organically. After a couple of years of being there, one of the owners there approached me and asked if I wanted to start trying to coach. Yeah. And I said sure. So <laughs> we I got I got my level one and then started coaching right away from there.
0: Yeah. How long have you been coaching?
1: So since 2017 would be five years. Yeah. And,
0: and what do you love about coaching? We talked about this a little yeah. bit, but what do you love about it? Like what draws you back to this? Cause now you've moved across the country yeah. to do it full time, yeah. right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Gosh, there's so many things that I love about it. I think for me, one of the best is seeing people when they walk in oftentimes are carrying the baggage of the day, whatever stress they're holding, from the night before or that day at work or whatnot. And oftentimes, like just reading body language, usually it's you might get a little bit tired. You might get head down. You might yeah. get some mumbling. Hello to the other folks. Yeah. And as you wake them up through the class, hold them to be totally present in that class and then coach them to achieve a win that day. Whatever it looks like for them. Yeah. Maybe it's just moving for 60 minutes Maybe it's getting their first jumping pull-up, whatever it is, noticing that win and celebrating it and then seeing the look on their face when they leave, where it's like they came in, head down, tired, and they're leaving, head up, high-fiving other people with a big smile on their face. What more can you ask for? It feels so good as a coach to be able to know that you were a part of bringing that to somebody.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Just talking to you, it feels like you've been here for seven (laughs) years because you're saying the same things that we say you're also a nutrition coach Mm -hmm. so tell me a little bit about what role you think nutrition plays in your day-to-day health Um, fitness like what at what point did you decide i need to do i need to get into the nutrition side of things yeah
1: i didn't really discover the role that nutrition played until long into the game and Mm -hmm. in fact like i have a very troubled history with nutrition like After I quit gymnastics, I think the pressure of shifting identities and and always having had an athletic look just naturally from doing gymnastics all the time, I became afraid of losing that. So I really started to control food Mm. and without ever intending to, it spiraled into a full blown eating disorder that I really spent about 10 or 12 years digging my way out of. Mm. And it was actually only when I heard John Berardi on a podcast. Yeah. John Berardi is the founder of Precision Nutrition. Yep. And I heard him speak in such plain down to earth language about nutrition that it just lit a light bulb in my mind. Because up until that point, with all the information there is out there about nutrition, I always felt like I had to be on some diet in order to be successful or Mm. feel good about Mm. what I was eating. Yeah. And it wasn't until I heard him talk plainly about being good 80 for 85% of the time and not restricting foods, but actually including all foods, just lit a light bulb in me. Yeah. And, and as soon as I started practicing that in my daily life, I realized how powerful it was, how much better I felt moving, working out. And how many people were like me. Yeah. That had that same concept of healthy quote unquote healthy eating yeah. being this thing that requires this elaborate plan and yeah restricting entire food groups and yeah. intermittent fasting and all these things and actually it misses the mark for yeah. a lot of people.
0: If that's your only focus, yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So it's interesting. I think with our food environment here in the States, like if you don't want to be obese, you have to have some sort of level of control over the hyper palatable yes. foods and stuff that are available. Yes. But you don't have to control everything. Yes. <laughs> and that's really the piece that's a struggle for people. It's I'm either on it yes. or I'm off it. Yeah. And it's until you find that middle ground. It's going to mess with you.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah. And so many people struggle with that. If they eat a piece of cake for their kid's birthday, now they feel like they've lost the day. Yeah. And then the rest of the day, they say, "Fuck it, I'm going to have six beers. I'm going to have a whole pizza because I've already lost." Yeah. Rather than just saying it's okay to have a piece of cake once in a while, get back on the game tomorrow.
0: Yeah, absolutely. My wife said something. She's also a nutrition coach here. Yeah. She said something like. I'm never going to do a diet that doesn't allow me to have cake at a wedding because at one point we went to a wedding and she couldn't have cake because we were on some sort of diet. Yeah. And she's like, I'm never doing that again yeah. because it's just, what's the point? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you don't have to eat the whole cake, yeah. but it's just what's the yes. point if you can't have cake at a wedding? Now, if you go to weddings five times a week, Maybe exactly. you need a better way to yeah. handle <laughs> it. I think a lot of good friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a, or you're a wedding photographer, maybe. Yeah, yes. But yeah, yeah, I think that that's a great way to think about it. Yeah. And once you started making those changes, mm-hmm. did you notice a difference in sort of your own fitness and performance?
1: Yeah, and it's one of those things that I wish I could say there was some shift that happened overnight, but the reality is it wasn't. And actually for most people I've coached, it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. So yeah, I noticed a shift, but that shift came on the scale of like, all right, two years and three years in yeah which I think it's a mindset shift that mindset of getting out of black and white thinking yeah which so many people myself included just become locked in yeah but once you get out of that black and white thinking there's such incredible f- both freedom and ownership of your nutrition so yeah. confidence in being able to make choices that I know are going to make me feel good yeah was really the biggest difference
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like the idea of the way I think about diet is like an experiment. If yeah. you're on any kind of diet, it's an experiment. Yes.
1: Yeah. Your
0: nutrition is what you do on your day to day basis. Mm-hmm. So you might do four weeks of something or mm-hmm. six weeks of something or eight weeks of mm-hmm. something. But if you're going to, if your plan is to do that for the rest of your life, yeah. like y- yeah. you got to treat it as like an experiment or I'm going through a season. Yes. You, it's it's really tough yes. to stick to anything like that for the rest of your life. Absolutely. You want to try new things and yes. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's just you have to have guardrails to totally. g- that are that make sense for you. Yeah, yeah
1: to jumpstart. Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense to play around with different. It's all learning.
0: Yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you've been doing all of this coaching. You've done some nutrition coaching. Sure. You moved different places on the East Coast. Why are you now here in California yes. with us?
1: Gosh, why are you in California? It's like, I hear well, bad
0: things about the California. <laughs> <'cause>,
1: uh, <laughs> the last ten days have been nothing but perfect days in my life. But why am I in California? So my probably the main motivator. One of the main motivators for me is the my family's out here. My yeah. mom's out here, and my sister's out here. Yeah, and my sister just had a baby so I'm an aunt for the first time and I didn't live close to extended family when I was growing up and I just think it would be a really cool thing for him to experience having an aunt around in his life
0: yes awesome and why here there's hundreds and hundreds of places you could have worked yeah so why here at Hale so
1: that was really the linchpin for me like when I found Hale it made the decision because I had zero urgency to come out here but when I found Hale it made the decision super easy and that was because really from it was the people. It was meeting you. It was meeting the other coaches and feeling like there was a real alignment in terms of values around the role of being a coach and what we hope to achieve for the clients who come here. Yeah. And not every gym is like that. So it felt super refreshing to be having those conversations and to feel like this is a place where not only I could contribute, but I could learn i could grow yeah
0: so yeah this is one thing i sometimes tell folks that come in here is i've been to probably a hundred different gyms just in my travels just going to different places Mm -hmm. and it's encourage people to try different places because you you. guys don't know how good you have it here (laughs) like it's pretty good and the coaches really do care and folks like yourself who really do the work and have been through some of the stuff and can say hey this is what's worked for me. Not just, hey, I read this in a book and totally. you should try mm-hmm. it. And that stuff makes a difference mm-hmm. in your overall sort of health yeah. and fitness. So
1: Yeah, I used to be super nervous about sharing some of the story, like some of my story. But then you realize like when you share that stuff, you actually can connect with people. Yeah. Because um, a lot of people have gone through stuff like that too.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's actually the only thing that people remember mm-hmm. and tell you that, you know, yeah you need to eat whatever, more broccoli and spinach. But if I tell you a story about how when I started eating more broccoli and spinach, I was yeah. able to do my first pull-up, yeah. then you're going to remember that story versus the recommendation. Totally. Yeah. 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 All right. We are, by the way, the Feelings Mutual, we're super excited to have <laughs> you here. It's been, it's just like absolutely a natural fit having you come in here with your experience, your background, and just like your enthusiasm to to help people. That's what we're all about.
1: Oh, I appreciate so, it. It's It's been awesome so far. I'm excited.
0: The last question. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received?
1: That's a great question. Best piece of advice. I think, so I spent, okay, quick little story. I spent a bit of time after high school on a trail crew. I was doing trail maintenance in Southern Oregon, part of a 10-person crew. And uh, and the crew leader was a female leader named Juliette. And a lot of part of the crew was she would cut down trees and then we would clear them off. And it was a way of doing maintenance along this trail. Well, every night she used to read the alchemist to us as we like (laughs) laid awake in our tents. And there was something profound about the thrust of the alchemist. It's about the journey, which sounds cheesy, but at the end of the day, it's something that I've carried with me, which is you can have a destination in mind, But at the end of the day, as soon as you get there, you're just going to have another destination in front of that. And so if you're not appreciating that process along the way, you're missing the point. And so I think whether that was like advice or mentorship that she passed on to me that I've held with me for, you know, now decades since that experience like I would say that has probably had the greatest impact enjoy
0: the journey I love that I love that I just read a book called do hard things yes and it talks about this Uh it talks about how the people who perform best Mm -hmm. are the ones that enjoy the process of the training they might not enjoy the training but it's like they focus on the training mm-hmm. aspect and then the outcome, it is what it is. Yes. Those are the yeah. ones that have the longest kind of thing. Yeah, and right. even Usain Bolt will say he hated every day of training, uh-huh. right? <laughs> but it's, you can learn to love that suffering. Yes. Because yeah. that's really why you do it. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. You can go and get the gold medal, but that's going to be, that's a five minute thing. Yeah. yeah <laughs> and absolutely. once you have it, then okay, now what? Now is that, what? you're going to live on that for the rest of your life? Yeah. What are you going to do next? Yeah. Yeah. So I love absolutely. that. I love yeah. that. So if people wanted to find out more about you sure. or learn more what you've, what you've done, how would they contact you?
1: You can contact me at Katie at Feel free yep. to shoot me an email. I'm also on Instagram at Katie Beecham. You can find me on Facebook, too, but I don't check that
0: so often. Awesome. awesome. Katie, I appreciate your time awesome. today, and I'm super glad that you're here. I'm excited to work out with you and learn some more gymnastics awesome. stuff that you can teach us. Awesome.
1: I'm excited to be here, for sure, and I'm super grateful for the opportunity.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure we'll do a part two at some point. We'll dig into more about horse racing.
1: All right. <laughs> I'm here for
0: it. So, all right. Have a great day. We'll see you all next time.